chapter 2 in our study. And for tonight's message, it's not so much an a inspirational type of message as it is an informative message. And I want to do what I did last Sunday night when I tried to introduce the passage. In fact, what we're going to do this evening is really, apart from acknowledging the fact that we're in chapter 2 about the older women teaching the younger women how to love their husbands and keep us keep a house and so forth and so on, etc., etc. We were talking last Sunday about what we call the Gnostic problem, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. Now, I bring it up, uh, not as a matter of like a sermon as such, as more as information, because when we're in Bible school, we study uh, the book of Romans, we study 1 John in particular, where both the Apostle Paul and John himself deal with uh, the subject of Gnosticism. And uh, I decided I would finish up what I did last week and then continue on in the passage, Lord willing, next Sunday night. But Gnosticism is basically a, a system of, that emphasizes the importance of knowledge. And it's just, it's an ethereal knowledge. It's not, it's not the fact that you know something. In fact, you can't hardly define the kind of knowledge they're, they're talking about. But the first tenet of the system of Gnosticism is that they blaspheme God. When Gnostic people, and by the way, when I refer to Gnosticism, I'm referring to something that's older than the Roman Catholic Church, uh, something that was already prevalent during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was here. It's a mixture of different types of, uh, uh, like Hinduism and other things. And you can't define Hinduism. Uh, Hinduism, there are thousands of God in Hinduism, and you can't pinpoint one of them in particular because they have so many of them. But it's a tenet of people that follow the teachings of the Gnosticism movement that they deny and blaspheme God. They call God an evil, an evil individual. They call him a bungling ignoramus. That's what Gnostics think about the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Heavenly Father. And so in their movement, they'll, they're going to attack some things about the Lord Jesus Christ that I'm going to share with you in a few moments. But they have to attack Christ because that's what Satan wants to do. That's what the system does. Gnosticism, and by the way, as we get to more contemporary issues about today, you'll find out that the Bible is attacked. The Lord Jesus Christ and his sovereignty is attacked. God is attacked. Holy virtues are attacked. Marriage is attacked. Morality is attacked. And you find that in the movement of Gnosticism, which lies at the basis of the popular feminist movement of the day, there's that tendency to elevate women. Ancient Gnostics are focused on women. That's, for example, uh, they say, and I'm going to quote this, Eve was a spirit-endowed woman who saved Adam. Have you ever heard such nonsense? Did Eve save Adam? No, Eve took the human race into sin. But I'm going to quote some things here that will show you how weird and how off-base and how unbiblical and how satanic and how anti-Bible and anti-God the Gnosticism movement is. Well, you say, Pastor, the Bible doesn't say that the woman saved Adam. Well, of course the Bible doesn't say that. Because when you read the Bible, the Bible is telling you the truth. They say, quote, final salvation for the whole world 
from the imprisonment of matter will come through female power. And the key in Gnosticism is female self-actualization. Now already I've lost some of you and you're ready to go to sleep and don't start snoring too loud. You'll miss the end of the message. It won't be that long, hopefully. What is this self, female self-actualization, this self-realization? It's self-knowledge in which a woman becomes so fully in tune with herself and so well knows herself and actualizes and realizes and fulfills herself that she becomes fully divine. Have you heard of movements where you might be a human, but by and by and by and by you're going to be a god? You ever hear anything like that? Mormonism teaches that we're just little, little people who one day are going to be gods. We're going to dethrone the God of heaven or we're going to be co-gods with God in heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says sinners can be saved by grace and they're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. But they don't become God. They become sons of God because they're adopted in a family. But Gnosticism elevates woman to a place where she can become fully divine. And as she becomes divine, she's going to rescue the rest of the lame men in the world. Like Eve finally rescued Adam, supposedly. In fact, they convolute the creation account. Gnostic texts tell us that Dame Wisdom, that's D-A-M-E. I want to be careful. I don't you to misunderstand what I said. Dame Wisdom was the heavenly Eve. There was a mystical heavenly woman named the Heavenly Eve who is the same as Dame Wisdom and she's the source of all wisdom. Now, she's represented in Gnostic literature as being a snake in the Garden of Eden. And she, not Satan, she taught Eve the true way of salvation. See what it do? It's tacking the biblical account of creation and what happened there in Genesis in the four, in chapter four. The snake is not called the tempter. The snake in Gnostic literature is the instructor. He's there to tell Eve, listen, I'm informing you, Eve, this is how you're going to be like God. You know, the snake is ultimate wisdom. The snake was wiser than anybody else. The snake, it says in Gnostic literature, is the redeemer because the snake is the incarnate woman who comes who comes to the heavenly Eve and teaches the truth about self-realization. Hocus pocus, shall we all puke together type of stuff. That's, that is total hogwash. Trying to tell her, listen, either, there either some way in which you are going to be divine. You're going to be delivered from being encumbered by matter. You know, in Gnostic literature, that which is physical is evil. That which is spiritual is divine. Anything that's of the flesh uh, pertaining to your physical being is bad. It's no good. Only the spiritual is important. So Gnosticism takes redemptive history and stands it on its head like a satanic cross at the black mass. God is evil, they say. The serpent in the garden is the true Christ. Christ in the New Testament, the reflection of God is equally evil. The Christ of the New Testament is not the true Christ because the true Christ, the true Christ spirit is in the snake. It's in Dame Wisdom. He said, sure does sound like a lot of hocus pocus. That's right, it is. 
It's a lot of smoke blowing is what it is. It's mystical stuff. You see, you, you don't see any clarity in it, but you do see what it attacks, don't you? It attacks God. It attacks Christ. It attacks biblical creation. The Gnostics, they say that humanity once again can become part of the universal whole by the process of self-realization. Well, let's all sit around and stare at our navels, you know. Let's realize just how important we are. They say that in the book of Genesis itself, the lack of self-realization is really the problem that man has. He just doesn't realize his potential. The Bible says man's problem is what? Sin. And that the root of his sin is his self-preoccupation. So they flip around that completely around. So the heart and core of Gnostic religion then is the consubstantiality of self within God. That's a mouthful. Consubstantiality of self with God. In other words, you can make yourself God. You're the only God that exists. Oh, I didn't get that in Bible school. <laughs> you get that if you go to Wellesley College, as some of our well-known politicians, female politicians, have been to school there. You get in tune with yourself. You elevate yourself. Get into self-esteem and self-knowledge and self-actualization and self-realization and self-fulfillment. Whatever yourself wants, that's how you become God. Ladies, wake up and assert yourselves. You don't have to have a man. You don't need to be married. You don't have to have <clears throat> the normal processes that women are taught that they go through in life. You can do without that. The human plight is not because we have moral offenses against God, but we're just ignorant of human potential. They say that obedience, though the obedience that led Jesus Christ to the cross has no significance whatsoever. In fact, there was one man named Jesus who died on a cross, but that's all the stupid Christians know about, according to the Gnostics. What they don't know, according to Gnostic writing, is that the real Christ, the real Christ spirit is actually sat on a branch one day watching Christ on the cross and laughed at him. Let me read to you from a book called The Apocalypse of Peter, one of their ancient documents. This is from the Apocalypse. Quote, He whom you saw on the tree, glad and laughing, this is the living Jesus, but the one in whose hands and feet they drive the nails is the fleshly part, which is the substitute being put to shame the one who came into being in his likeness be strong for you who are the one to whom these mysteries have been given to know them through the revelation that he whom they crucified is firstborn and the home of the demons and he who stands near him is the living savior they're saying that Jesus Christ is a demon remember who the Pharisees say they said that Jesus did what he did by the power of who? The power of Beelzebub. That's ancient Gnosticism. Further, they say in that 
It says, quote, since the true Christ never died, there's no resurrection. Redemption then is not a gracious, miraculous transformation of a person through the sacrifice of Christ. Redemption is self-understanding, self-actualization. That is giving sway to anything your self wants. Abandon yourself to do whatever you want to do. Don't let anybody stop you from doing what you want to do. Get out of the traces. Do away with the strictures. Crawl over the fence. Don't set any limits. Get out of the prison. Be free. Gnostic believers are saved when they realize who they are. A part of the divine. Possessing within themselves a kingdom. Capable of anything untampered by human traditions, creational structures, or divine laws. It follows that part of self-redemption is the rejection of biblical ethical norms and the promotion of the distortion of biblical sexuality. In fact, the Gnostics say that when a person comes to full knowledge, he becomes another living Christ. No. That's so anti-God, that's so anti-biblical, that's against everything we stand for. And since the serpent had that knowledge, the serpent who was the woman is also the living, the true and living Christ, according to them. Everything's twisted. Everything's perverted. Gnosticism is the blasphemy of satanic distortion of God's truth. The Bible says God is good. That God is a sovereign God. The Gnostics deny that. And they blaspheme his name. The Bible says that Christ is the living God incarnate in human flesh. The Gnostics blasted it and they blasphemed his name. The Bible says the snake was a tempter. They say the snake is wisdom. Personified. Who is really the instructor of the situation in the book of Genesis. The Bible says that Jesus died upon the cross for your sins. But Gnostics say that Jesus died on the cross. That thing is a joke. Satan wants to undermine the truth of the word of God. And he wants to do that by speaking to a lost humanity. To saying, listen, you don't listen to those Bible believing people. The Bible is a joke. Their God is a joke. Their Savior is a joke. You don't need any of that. So basically, they contradict and try to say everything contrary to what the Apostle Paul wrote and John wrote and what Jesus said, what the prophets have said. They said it's all a lot of hooey. It's a doctrine of demons, folks, seducing spirits. And it wasn't invented, in, invented by Gloria Steinem or Bella Abzug. This came from the pits of hell thousands of years ago. But those very thoughts are right at the center issue of feminism today. What role did feminism play in Gnosticism? Well, it plays a very important role. Very important role. I told you already, Eve was the savior of Adam. And furthermore, the spiritual heavenly Eve was the personification of wisdom in the serpent who became the instructor. And by thus, his instructions set out to save men. But there are other things. Uh, listen, folks, we're, we're flying through this so quickly tonight, and I'm going to leave you in the dust. 
But this is going on. This is today. This is in our generation. But it's older. It's old. It's old Bible history, folks. This this mother-child cult that existed back in the Old Testament times where you have a female God uh, personified in the person of Baal, a woman who gave birth to Baal, and you have the Baal worship. They brought that over into more contemporary religion after the time of the Lord Jesus Christ and made it a part of church worship. It was pagan worship. But you remember when Constantine won a battle against Maximinus for the rulership of Rome and he won and he supposedly had a vision where he said conquer in this sign and it was a sign of the cross well he won and so what he did is he went he took all the pagan religion and said you're no longer pagan religion you're Christian religion and you you priest of these different religions now you're Christian priest now you got all your functions you know what you, what you have done just continue to do them but you'll do them as Christian people and you have an amalgamation of Christian thought and pagan thought kind of coexisting together in theology. That's at the root of the Roman Catholicism. That's at the root of a lot of false religion. In the Gnostic system, Eve dominates Adam. Sexual roles are altered and you can understand this because you see Satan wants to totally tear up God's created order and they wrote the early Gnostics did that the divine revealer was feminine the divine revealer says and let me quote you this is a quote said quote I am androgynous now that's a big word which means I am both a mother and father I make love with myself and with those who love me and it is through me alone that all stands. I am the womb that gives shape to all by giving birth to the light that shines in splendor. I am eon to come. I am the fulfillment of all that is the glory of the mother. Now all that double talk and talk about androgyny of Gnosticism that is for the purpose of wiping out sexual distinction there are Gnostic texts where God the creator is castigated by a higher feminine power and that heavenly Eve that Sophia that Dame Wisdom is the one that does it and God the creator the Gnostic said God that that sub God Demigur who stupidly created everything, finally learned the fear of the Lord in the, be- in the beginning of wisdom. Boy, you talk about taking Old Testament thought and changing it around. That's what Gnostic literature does. In other words, our Lord Jesus Christ learned to fear feminine Sophia so that the God of the Bible is now in fear of the feminine God Sophia. The feminization then set off this higher God wisdom led directly to the ordination of women and the ordination of women flows out of feminism of deity the early Gnostics well known to church history students with this one guy named Marcion M-A-R-C-I-O-N he was excommunicated from the so-called church back in 150 AD 
He then established in his own church in which he appointed women as bishops and priests and pastors. In a Valentinian Gnosticism, women functioned as teachers, evangelists, healers, priests, and perhaps even as the pastors or bishops. This movement in the church to put women in the roles of spiritual leadership is simply reflective of the same kind of religious attitude that is the sum of Gnosticism, where you reject the God of the scriptures, the creator God, and you say that he is blind and envious and malicious, and they don't hesitate to commit the most heinous blasphemy of all, because Gnostics even called the God of the Bible the true devil. Quote, unquote. Listen, for the true Gnostics, the real God, whoever this force was, was unknowable, impersonal, untouchable, some kind of a unified sum of separated parts, like a sort of pantheistic force. But they said this, quote, the divine being, because he is all in all impersonal, and untouchable, the just this big force is the best expressed by androgyny. That is the erasure of male and female distinction. The feminist movement wants to wipe out that male-female distinction. The idea for the Gnostic was to become sexless, a radical refusal of of sexual differentiation and a complete confusion of sexual identity and God's intended role. That is how Satan wants to tear up the natural order of God in the world. And he does it by attacking the family. And that's because that's where it does the greatest damage. The diabolical reversal of everything is Satan's approach. Destroy God's created order. Destroy the integrity of the scriptures. In fact, have a multiplicity of scriptures. You can have it your way in any way that you want it. If you want to have a Bible that eliminates the word he, you can have a Bible. They'll call it a holy Bible. But you will not find the word he used in it at all. It's always she. It's a she Bible. Destroy the character of God. Destroy the, the name of Christ. I'm telling you, that's what's behind the movement today. And that's not some whimsical deal that just popped up in the 20th century by a few women who want to take their aprons off and buy a briefcase and go to the corporate office room somewhere. This is not something that was invented by a woman who wanted to abort their babies and get in the corporate halls and use the executive washroom. This is new age thinking. That new age thinking is nothing but old age Gnosticism. New age is just a new way of talking about old age Gnosticism. And at the heart of it all is that female power is the key to salvation. One of the goddesses is Shirley MacLaine. You remember the name, the actress Shirley MacLaine. The one who's supposed to be able to channel her and talk to spirits and so forth. In her book called Going Within... She writes this in the dedication of her book, quote, dedicated to Stache, mother, Kathleen, and Bella, and all the other women and men who seek the fulfillment feminine, seek the spiritual feminine in themselves. 
The idea is male is matter, and matter is male, and matter is evil, therefore male is evil. That's a lady in the feminist movement. Feminine is spirit. Feminine is feminine, and that's good. Like I said a few minutes ago, you look at at Hinduism, you see where some of the stuff, stuff comes from, because in Hinduism, most of, their God, most of their gods are goddesses. They said it right there, goddesses. Radical feminism today is being moved along by the idea that women got to be liberated so that they can redeem humanity. Those types of philosophers are what driving the movement, the religionists today. The creator God of Genesis, the foolish sub-God has to go. He's male, he's tyrannical. He denies basic human liberties. He demands total obedience. He threatens punishment for evil dudes, evil deeds and dudes. Consequently, original sin is not to be found in man, they said, but in God. Can you imagine that? Sin originated with God. Sin did not originate with God. God is holy God. God doesn't have anything to do with sin. Feminine liberalism. And liberation releases us from God and from all his evil. Like the male values, like marriage, fidelity. Yeah, fidelity goes out the door, folks. Family, family goes out the door. Authority, that goes on the trash heap. Morality, there is no morality. It's whatever you want to do when you want to do it in any way you want to do it. The serpent Eve wants us to wants to set us free, and the God of the Bible is a jealous God who wants to stand in the way. So when when you hear a Methodist group, and there's so by the way there are so many Methodist groups, you just can't put everything under one thing called Methodist and include everybody in it. But there are there are some ultra liberal people in different various movements. They're there. You find him in the Presbyterian churches, not the new free Presbyterians, which are more fundamental. You find him in the Episcopalian church. Like I said, they want to take the he out of the Bible and make everything she. Somehow they want to make women make feel, feel better about themselves. That's satanic religion. It's as satanic as a black mass. So the ancient Gnosticism and the New Age movement today and the goal of feminism today has a reversal of all the God-ordained values that God-believing people, Bible-believing people have believed for hundreds of years. That is why it's so unthinkable that people that call themselves Christians would get sucked into this. Roman Catholic theologian Carol Christ, C-R-I-S-T, said, I have found God in myself, and I love her fiercely. That's a Roman Catholic theology, theologian, a woman, by the way. Where is God? God's in me. What is God? God is feminine. And since I'm feminine, I'm one with God. And she, this woman, Carol Christ, found God in herself with liberation from all biblical constraint. 
The path of the new age involves destroying the biblical female differentiation. For instance, Charlene Spretnik wrote the book, The Policy of Women's Spirituality, published by Doubleday. Now, Doubleday is double-minded. It's a publishing house. They're the same ones who publish the Anchor Bible Commentary, which is Methodist in its origin. So they're, they're trying to publish God's word and Satan's word at the same time. Well, in this book, feminines want revenge. They want blood. And the real ideological goal, because it's Satan's goal, is to absolutely erase any recollection of creational structure and biblical morality. You just wipe it out altogether. And they're after that. Perhaps maybe two generations at least from this present generation they might not be able to have a Bible. They might have to look for an ancient copy of the Bible and uh, because they won't know what it looks like. In fact, they're going to have a hard time finding one in Ypsilanti. I mean, where are the Bible bookstores now? They're gone. You're going to get to the place where you want a Bible, you're not going to be able to find one even if you go online because the Bible is going to become so unpopular. But witless Christians get on board this idea, the bandwagon, as if, well, it's just women blowing their nose and making a big noise. You know, they, we have a right to work. We don't have to be confined to home. And, you know, I want to be able to express myself and so on and so on and so forth. And like Paul wrote, they end up being women, silly women and silly men. I'm going to reach all the way back to the 1960s. George Gilder, G-I-L-D-E-R. You can look it up online. George Gilder. Yeah, he doesn't make any claim to be a Christian. Uh, he once was a feminist thinker. But back in 1973, he realized what their agenda is, and he's written about it. And this is what he says. Quote, this is George Gilder. He says, quote, the revolutionary members of the women's movement say that our sexual relationships are fundamental to all our other institutions and activities. If, if one could profoundly change the relation between the sexes, they contend one could radically and unrecognizably transform society. You know, he's right. He's dead right. The satanic agenda is to destroy human society. Just rip the family to shreds. Destroy marriage so that God has no means to pass righteousness from one generation to the next. And how does that happen from one generation to the next? It happens through the family. But if you wipe out the family, there's no moral order maintained in a society. Who's going to be talking about Jesus?